0: Hello out there, everybody! Welcome to episode ten of the Modern Educator podcast. This is your host Corey Brown, and I'll think I'll fill you in today with uh, some tips for how to teach during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh man, this has been quite the uh, quite the challenge. Well, um, so what we did here in Las Vegas was the the coronavirus was starting to get kind of scary around the first week of March or so. And there were already some talks that, like, maybe we were going to edit school in some way, shape, or form. And I think what they did around, like, the first week of March was they canceled all after-school activities and said that classes would continue, but just sort of any field trips, any sports activities, any school dances, uh, all those would be eliminated uh, to control the threat of the spreading virus. Um and you know, the, the the administration gave us these directives like you know we're going to come back to school on Monday the 16th of March and everything's going to keep going but the day before the governor of Nevada on March 15th announced that all schools are closed for a month so that kind of pulled the rug out from under us and then i think it was for the first first two weeks we had no directives or anything and i know that my my administration at my high school like wanted to do stuff with the kids and wanted to hold them accountable to, to learn stuff, but we continually got changing directives from the people at the district level or the state level. So it was, it was a thorough mess as far as what my role was and what I could hold my students accountable to do during the pandemic. Um, but eventually, the directive from the state was, That teachers were supposed to provide optional activities for students. And you could not force students to do anything. Nothing could be for a grade. It was all just sort of, hey kids, you feel like learning? Here's some stuff I put on the internet. Go to town. No grade. Just if you feel like it, go ahead. Um, So I made the judgment call pretty early on that my regular classes were going to have very limited student participation. Um, and that judgment call was absolutely proven true. Uh, for example, in my two public speaking classes, I teach about 80 students, but public speaking is a elective class. And the, I I really didn't have a really great time teaching that course this year. Um, and quite a few of the students were really unengaged. So naturally I had very few responses or replies to my public speaking activities and I couldn't hold students accountable to do them anyway. So that I, I knew that was going to happen. Um, but the class I of course did have a lot of success, success with, and I would like to share some ideas from that success with y'all today is my AP human geography class. Um, and what I'm really happy that the college board did was they continued to have the AP test, like, a. Uh, you know, this is this big test at the end of the year. If the kids pass, it, they get college credit. Well, a lot of other organizations canceled the big tests due to coronavirus, but the college board, I think admirably so, kept their tests alive and transitioned to do them in this online format, which was totally unheard of. Um, so my AP students, I have about 40 students total in AP Human Geography, um, 15 students consistently came to my optional classes where I just sort of continued to review material for AP human geography I continued to test their essay writing abilities and I I prepped them for this online test to the the best of my conceivable ability Um, and so yeah 15 kids came just about every time and then there were maybe another 10 kids I saw every once in a while so I, w- I would say overall, I had about fifty percent of my students consistently coming to my online class, and the if College Board didn't have the AP test, I am positive I would have had zero percent student enrollment. Well, maybe maybe I'd have maybe I'd have ten percent or twenty percent, but because there was an objective, uh, the course passing this AP test, that was the motivation to get the kids there. And I've already had plenty of conversations with other educator friends, and they told me, like, you know, I offered online classes. None of the kids came. Well, if there's no buy-in, if there's no purpose, the students are going to just watch TikTok videos or play uh, video games or watch Netflix or something. Like, if uh, having truly optional learning, you're you're not going to get more than 10% student engagement in in a high school setting. Um, just the mentality that that school is evil and and learning is bad is just kind of pervasive with with so many teenagers, um, and uh, and also there was a lot of district directives saying that it was you know this is a pandemic this is a public emergency that perhaps some of these students are in are having health concerns so like I I'm not disputing um, the decisions that were made on high, uh, but without holding students accountable for a grade, for, um, f- for, for their learning, um, kids just generally won't do it. And I think this COVID lockdown experiment sort of showed that an online model could work for a fraction of the high schoolers that I'm aware of. But the vast majority of high school kids just lack that intrinsic motivation to learn. You could give kids, you know, say, hey, high school's online now, go ahead and get a GED, and they would either, most of them would either cheat their way through it, or they just would never log in in the first place. Um, And that's, that's just the reality of our time. Students can so easily be distracted by smartphone devices and various streaming services that they can just be endlessly entertained. Um, so let me talk now about what did I actually do with those uh, 25 AP kids who consistently came to my, my, co- my online classes. Um, and one thing I was also really impressed with is the two-hour class I hosted right before the actual AP test, I had 37 out of 40 students show up. So that's, that number, I think, it has not been achieved by any AP teacher that I know of in Clark County. Um, I'm really, really impressed that my students did show up. But so what did I actually do during those online courses? Well, I uh, have this sort of streamer service set up with OBS Studio and I uh, screencasted myself to my students. Um, Well, I guess when we had the live classes, I was in Google Hangouts. But what I did as sort of, you know, quote, quote, optional homework was I recorded myself doing my traditional uh direct instruction lecture based activities. you know it was just me and my my Prezi or PowerPoint and I'm going through it. I'm telling kids all about AP human geography and I shared that with my students online. I said, watch this stuff, and then we'll review it, talk about it in the uh, live Google Hangout. Um, and in that Google hangout, I of course always started started with the floor of like, hey kids, you want to talk about anything? you want to get a little social activity? Uh, Usually it's just a bunch of my boy students um, posting weird stuff in the chat. And I mean, the teenagers are also socially isolated, too, during this pandemic. So I think there is something that you you create a space for them to actually communicate. Um, But the activities that really worked out for me were these online games called quizzes. And I think I just put online Jeopardy in a search engine. They got this thing that was like Jeopardy. And having these interactive games that can still take place in an online setting, I think, are, are the way to go. Because some teacher friends of mine, they had online classes, but they just sort of did direct instruction. They just posted up a, a PowerPoint and did a lecture. And that's, uh, kids are going to tune out of that real quick in an online environment. Um, and my biggest question is, why do you have to do a live online lecture. Why can't you just record the lecture and post the video and say, hey kids, watch it at your own time. Um, if I went too fast at some point, you know, pause it, rewind. Uh, they, they can they can have much more, um, they can dissect a, a video lecture far more if it's a recorded video rather than just you giving it live as a, a live over Google Classroom or Google Hangout. Um, and uh, I, I, the live online class really has to be some kind of a discussion. You have to step back and let the kids do the vast, vast majority of the work. Um, and, and what I recall I did with my Google Hangouts was I would have my students, uh, I, I sort of tasked each one of them with explaining some of the, the vocabulary words we learned in AP Human Geography over the course of the year. Um, I also had my students br- go into breakout rooms and they worked on writing skills together and I would pop in and ask, answer any questions. Um, and it, it is challenging to do that in an online environment. I do recall a couple students didn't have webcams and they sort of had to call in so they couldn't do the, some of the more interactive stuff. And I, I would hope that this COVID stuff has has taught schools the necessity of giving students the technology to participate in online learning environments. Um, Because Clark County really really botched it when we suddenly closed off schools and we realized that there were numerous kids that didn't have internet access at home, that didn't have a reliable computer, um, that that really prevented us from holding kids directly accountable. Because I think it's a fair assessment to say, hey, why is my kid failing his course? Um, It's because we're too poor to have internet access or a computer um most of my students however that wasn't a big problem i think there were a couple students that that sort of said mr brown i can't see what you're doing i've i'm calling in on a on a phone but i don't have a smartphone so it's not visual um and i mean the the students that that did have the technology i think they overall utilized it pretty well um and, yeah, I talked with a lot of other AP Human Geo teachers, and they told me that they had very minimal student participation. And they, they also didn't really have an idea of what the online learning environment would look like. And it, as I said before, it absolutely has to be student collaboration, student discussions, student the, – the students must do total more talking than you. It cannot be a direct instruction place, or it's just going to turn into kind of a nightmare. Um, well, not even a nightmare. It's just, why not record it? Why, why does it have to be live view when you could just record yourself? Um, and some of the other things that I did, uh, I really liked when I went through all the vocab lists and I assigned each kid about 10 vocab words and they each sort of took turns being the center point of the Google Hangout and just explained those words to the rest of the class. Sometimes I asked them, uh, questions to elaborate the word further um, and then I also did have the students do essay writing a, they emailed the essays to me and then I shared them with the whole class in general and we talked about you know how the student could improve the essay how could it be better for uh, the actual AP test so those were those were my big things with online learning and I know for a fact that well I don't know for a fact, but in the event That this online learning and this pandemic continues to the start of the next school year, I will absolutely film myself doing all of my lessons and then I will have these live online discussion spaces to sort of confirm that kids learn from those lessons and have them ask questions and share information with their friends. So it, it is the true flipped classroom, if anyone's familiar with that concept. That's, that's sort of the required way to go now in this pandemic world. Um, yeah, and that's, that's what's up. So uh, if anybody has any questions about this podcast or has any uh, desire to hear me talk about other issues related to being a high school teacher in the classroom, uh, go ahead and please send me an email at VegasModernEducator at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.